Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back once again to Game Time Sports, where it's always game time. For my co-hosts Danny Curran and John Reggio, my name is Nick Chickles, and we're coming to you live here on WXVU 89.1 The Roar every Wednesday from 7 o'clock to 8.30 or wherever and whenever you get your podcasts. And we begin today's show by recapping the Final Four. Uh, unfortunately, after a phenomenal season, uh, Villanova was not able to get over that last hurdle falling to Kansas. Uh, in the Final Four, the eventual national champion Jayhawks led that game wire to wire. Um, got out to an unbelievable start. Uh, did Kansas Jayhawks. I'm convinced that Steph Curry's not actually injured, but he stole OJ Abaji's, Abaji's jersey for that first half, as I think he made his first six threes. Um, and just... Kind of doomed the Cats there from the start. Villanova made a really intense, two really intense runs. One in the first half, one in the second half to get it as close as six with six minutes left. But uh, Kansas was able to put the game away from there. Um, personally, obviously in the moment, that hurts like, hurts really bad. But um, have, having the time to reflect, I, that's a loss you can live with, honestly. Uh, that's just a team where Kansas is a better team on paper, and they went out and they just shot the lights out all over the gym. Villanova didn't play badly. They didn't beat themselves. They didn't turn the ball over a bunch. They weren't taking dumb shots and missing them. Um, in fact, I thought Villanova's offensive performance in the second half was one of the best that they've had all season. Um, but it was just Kansas was making everything and defending really well, especially in that first half. Yeah, I mean, it, that might have been the best that we've looked offensively, especially in the second half, like in the whole tournament. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, you're going up against the one seed. You're down one of your better defenders, number two scoring option pretty much, and uh, it's just a tough situation to be in for the Cats. But, you know, it was nice to be in the Final Four, and there was a lot of fight left in the team, but you, you could obviously mm -hmm. tell that Kansas was just a better more complete team. team. You know, yeah. they, were, they were able to put it all together and – they seem pretty poised to win the championship after that performance. Even though UNC did give them yeah. a pretty crazy fight. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll get to that. Yeah, but, we'll get uh, to that eventually. Danny, last thoughts? Any thoughts on Nova? I said that uh, going into the Final Four, any like wins would be playing with house money. I mean, they got to New Orleans. That's really all I asked for. Four years was just one trip to the Final Four. So. Uh, I, I'm sorry. Try the other mic. I don't know why, but mics three and four, ever since they switched over, have not really been working all that well. They weren't even great with the other ones. I, uh, I don't know. Your my mic and your mic work fine, but his are always like barely coming in. It's just it's very weird. Um, is that better? Yeah, a little bit. Really, like really get in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, hell of a season for Villanova. Um, it's disappointing that Kansas had to play their best game of the year. There's really not much Kansas, or, uh, Villanova could have done in, in the first half. It's hot as Kansas was shooting, other than they just played some better defense and. As I mentioned on the show uh, last week, I think basketball is like, I think the NCAA championship is the hardest to win just because you can have a, a team like that where they just get sizzling hot. But I did reference the Virginia Carson Edwards game. Virginia was getting, putting hands up in their faces and they were shooting 30, 30 feet behind the back step backs. And Abaji could pretty much get any open look he wanted. Um, it was very clear that Villanova was undersized. I mean, this is big man. McCormick just kind of dominated them. And he yeah. 20 points of literally dunks and layups. So that was unfortunate. And I think one of the big turning points of the game was Nova cut it to seven and uh, got a stop, first stop in forever. Cale Davis comes down, the shot literally hit every part of the rim, uh, rims out, and then Kansas gets fouled makes two free throws. Back to a nine. Back to nine. So yeah. 
unfortunate. You got to give a ton of credit to Villanova, Jay Wright, and their leadership for. There was one point uh, at the game where I was thinking this might be one of the worst losses in the history of the Final Four. I think it was a twenty-point lead hmm. in the first half. I was like, oh my god, Villanova's about to lose this game by forty. But the fact that they were able to come back, no quit on the uh, end of the game. Just unfortunate that in the second half when Villanova was really making the run, I think they made six of their first seven threes. Yeah. Campus was just firing back. Like, yeah. Every every three Villanova made chance to run. Yeah. So I guess you got to give credit to Kansas, um, but still a great season for Villanova, and I'm excited for next year. Yeah. Um, I, for me, the turning point was six minutes left. They cut it to six on the Samuels and one, and they actually forced a miss, but they couldn't. Uh, Get the rebound. Kansas got an offensive rebound, scored. Stop. Nova scored again. That put it to ten. That was it. Um, and then obviously Christian Brown, even though his name spelled Braun, just uh, will have a second left in the shot clock. Uh, let me do, say a couple quick hail marys and just throw up the ball as I'm moving to my right from thirty feet away and have it be the wettest shot I've ever taken in my entire life. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that. Dude, Christian Brown. Him. First of all, Christian Brown has a punchable face, so that like really kind of antagonizes me. You see the me. picture going around Twitter of his neck after like hitting a big three, like the vein. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he's got. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, can't complain. Uh, listen, team went to the Final Four, so your regional champion team was the Big East champion. Um, had a better win percentage than the Big East champion because they actually felt like playing all their games. So. Um, yeah, phenomenal season. Uh, obviously, would have loved to get two more wins, but uh, if I if you could have told me that this ha- was how my senior season was going to go, I would say that's great. I would take that every time. That's not, that's a great season. I'd like to. I mean, obviously, no going back. Can't swing it all. But as I said, I just think basketball. It's fair. In a, in a one game, do or die. It's just so hard. You can get a team that just gets sizzling hot. Like I really think if the, if this game is played. Forgot Justin Moore. This game played without him ten times. I take Nova winning that. I, I, I just I think Nova's a better team. Just unfortunate that they didn't play their best game. Let's not let's not beat around the bush. They were asleep coming out of the gate. Yep. Turning the ball over. Last yep. They had two or three turnovers in the first four minutes, and I think at the first uh, media timeout they had four shots, four turnovers. So you can't come out the final four uh, be looking like a deer in the headlights. Um, even though down ten nothing. Once they went down 10, they never, they were kind of just trying to battle back the entire game. Never were able to take the lead, but got to give credit, credits to Kansas is a veteran team. A lot of people are saying that this was, you know, the COVID team that should have won it all in 2020. Those guys came back and they deserved it, so you got to give credit to them and Bill Self. Um, but yeah, it's just a tough way for Samuels and Gillespie to go out. Yeah, what's a, what surprised me about the second half, kind of in particular, was like, that was obviously the better half that we had, um, but we played this. We pretty much played a five-man roster. Yep. Like An- Antoine did play 19 minutes, but he was a complete non-factor. Um, we hope to see more out of him next year. Obviously. Yeah. Just because there's so much on the table mm-hmm. that's like left to be desired out of him, but it unfortunately could manifest itself in the final four. But I'm just happy that we were able to just keep up a fight and not like completely lay over and die in the in the game. Honestly, like. In the in the very beginning, I thought it was just going to be a complete shutdown, and you know we wouldn't have anything to watch for the the rest of the game. There was the pes- pessimistic part of me thinking that, but then when they cut it to seven, like, and then it seemed like we had a little momentum that it it, was, it felt good. So, yeah, happy we went down swinging at least. Yeah. yeah. But I think another thing is we 
been asking for Brandon Slater to step up, and he did. He had 16 points, made four three-pointers, so <coughs> got to give credit to him. Hadn't mm-hmm. really had too great of a tournament up to, uh, up to this point, but he had a nice game, and um, Gillespie played well. I just wish Caleb Daniels and Samuels would have kind of had, would have been leading Villanova into this run. I, they didn't have two particular great games, so I wish they could have played a little better, but um, it is what it is. Still, still a great season. For all the people that are negative about next year and saying that Mikhail Gillespie and Samuels is a down year or whatever, I just I can't disagree any, anymore. Like, They're probably preseason rankings out already from someone. Well, the way too early rankings have Villanova at like 15th, but they're also those are assuming that Sl- Brandon Slater is not coming back, which would stun me. No, they're all com- all of them are coming. Where is he going? Yeah, like Dixon, Slater, Samuel, or uh, Gillespie, Dixon, Slater, and Daniels as is Justin Moore, but he will not be healthy at the start of the season. But you would assume that he would be at some point during next year. Um, yeah, and then you got Longino. I don't know how long the surgery is going to uh, – I don't know how long he's going to be out for, but mm-hmm. hopefully he's ready to go for the uh, start of the season in November. And then I, uh, I said this on the show last week, and I'm not holding out hope for Antoine Blakeman in Final Four, and unfortunately not holding out hope for anything for the next year. And it's just probably a nice kid, but just a lot of injuries and – I just don't think he's going to stay healthy. But Trey Patterson, you've got to see something out of him. And then Cam Whitmore, really hope he doesn't uh, ride the bench all year next year because, you know, you're not a McDonald's All-American or five-star recruit, whatever, for nothing. So hope Jay Wright puts him in the game because Nova's going to need um, some youth next year because yep. they, they, they were very experienced this year. But I'd like to see maybe a younger team because I don't think next year the expectation should be national championship. But you can build that young core up a couple years as teams Yeah, so uh, moving on from Nova to the championship game itself. Uh, what about Duke, North Carolina? Oh, Duke, North Carolina, you're yeah, right. I'm oh, sorry. I do have to talk about that. Um, I, one of the most, my friend um, posed this question to me, and i kind of inclined to agree that that is the most, that was the highest stakes college basketball game of all time. Because obviously a Final Four, obviously Duke, North Carolina, and then Coach K's, potential last game if they lose, which they did, so it was his last game. Um, I think if you're a Carolina fan, you almost rather have that than a title because for 50 years – I'm not kidding. Bra- that's bragging rights for 50 years. We ended Coach K. We ended his career. The Tar Heels ended his career. That's all Duke fans are going to be hearing for 50 years from their mile, their na- uh, their neighbors eight miles away on Tobacco Road. Yeah, I agree that it Yep. Um, just the way the game was played, neither team deserved to lose. Um, both teams playing at an extremely high level, leaving it all on the floor. As I kind of said on the show last week, I thought that the winner of uh, Villanova-Kansas should be favored in the national championship game just because North Carolina clearly emptied the tank, and you saw in the second half they just ran out of gas. I mean, they were falling apart um, in, in large part due to also, it looks like they just didn't have anything left inside, yep. and they invested it all on Saturday. Uh, I mean, both teams throwing punch after punch after punch. I think there was 18 ties, 12, or sorry, 18 lead changes, 12 ties. Um, so just an incredible game. Um, Armando Baycott, I think, had like 21 rebounds or something. He did have 21. Caleb Love, <laughs> 28 points, uh, the dagger in Coach K's heart. 
Palaban Carroll also had a phenomenal game, double double, 20 points, 10 boards. He looks like the surefire number one pick in my mind, but who knows? Just an incredible game. Um, I feel bad for all the Duke players. They looked like they were, um, you know, obviously visibly upset after the game. Both that, that's the nature of college sports where uh, you don't see that in the NBA because ultimately just like LeBron tweeting on him April Fool's just doesn't care. <laughs> <laughs> so, hashtag your 19, hashtag seat 11. Continue. Also, I uh, really love all North Carolina fans. They're the Tar Heel chant is probably my favorite in all sports. So I was kind of indifferent. So, but just incredible game. Credit to North Carolina, especially Caleb Love. A lot of people who don't know basketball and who are just social media, uh, Twitter like trolls are just giving him an extremely hard time after his performance in the championship game. I get it. You don't watch actually watch games. You just stick and type things on Twitter. But <laughs> Caleb, North Carolina wouldn't be there. So, yeah, I get it. He didn't have a good game. He also was rolled his ankle. I mean, he wouldn't have been playing for fucking the national championship game. He rolled his ankle pretty bad, and I don't think he scored after after that point in the title game. So, um, feel bad for all the Duke players, and feel bad for Carolina in the title game. But just an awesome experience for me to be there. Um, probably the best experience of my life. Just an incredible game, and I can say I witnessed it. Yeah, I can't top anything <laughs> yeah. with uh, what Danny said there. Yeah, I know Caleb Love in the perform his for his performance, especially at the end of the of the national championship game. Obviously, I'm sure he would want every one of those shots back just to see what would happen if he took them again. Like mm. because if any of those went in, like we've got a completely different story that we're talking about right now. But again, I completely agree with you, Dan. That um, you know, they wouldn't they, UNC just simply wouldn't be there if if it weren't for his performance in the earlier games in the tournament and at the end of the season. So he was, like, completely invaluable to UNC. And Armando Baycott, I haven't even, like, before this season started, I didn't really, maybe I've heard of him but didn't really know anything about him. <laughs> but he's a, he's a complete dog. I mean, yeah. he grabs 21 boards in a college Just, game in a yeah. Final Four. I mean, who, when have you ever heard of that happening in recent memory? Yeah. So I look forward to seeing his career develop mm-hmm. um, at whatever the next level that he plays at is. and Because uh, yeah. I'm... I don't know. Is he supposed? To, he's not going to stay with UNC, right? I, I think believe it, he is. He is. I don't he, know. Is. he he can't shoot at all. Like he can't. Yeah, he can't shoot. But I mean, he's got yeah, the he's got the presence down there. So if he does come back to college, like, let's see if he has like a Shibway type of season next year because he's board man getting paid, but he can also mm. score. I mean, if he's on a if he's on a healthy leg, like he's probably doing even better in that championship game. But he he also like him and Love just completely put the team on their back there mm-hmm. not to discount anyone else like brady yeah. manic or bleaky black but you know they were great too and without everyone you wouldn't be there but shout out to baycott like yeah he was inspirational I mean, performance he's like he's the first player ever to have six double doubles in one tournament so uh yeah they uh, do actually some of these mocks do actually have him as a second round pick if he declares this year but uh he has eligibility left could go either way there. I think Brady, Brady Manic, I think is yeah, out of eligibility. He's gonna he's gonna get picked. He can shoot. Davis might be as well, but yeah. Um, I believe Baycott and 
I mean, if they get both those guys back, that is a scary team in the ACC next year. Uh, I, don't, I don't know anything about the recruiting class, but I'm assuming it's uh, pretty strong yeah. because it's UNC. Um, considering it's the end of North Carolina, I'm sure they've got a couple of uh, top recruits in there, but I don't think North Carolina is like much of a five-star recruit. It's like between Kentucky, Kansas, Duke. Uh, they, 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 I feel like they have more like four-year players coming. Out they have uh, three. F- they have three four stars coming and no five stars. Yeah, I mean, we've already been alluding to it, but uh, I mean, obviously UNC comes out and throws a heck of a punch there in the first half, and uh, the last eight or so minutes of the first half, it looked like Kansas might not score again because they d- just looked inept there on offense. But I think, like Danny mentioned. UNC kind of ran out of gas there in the second half combined with Kansas really getting hot. Um, you saw more than once in this tournament uh, Kansas kind of struggling in the first half and then coming out looking like a different team. In the second half, uh, they played a lot faster. They got out and transitioned a lot more in the second half and ultimately came right down to the wire and uh, Kansas made a few more plays. And uh, they're going to be going home with a lot of hardware because of it. Mm-hmm. In the second half, I think he was four for four, three for three from three. So he has to be, if you're looking at where that game really turned on his head, you've got to first look to uh, Remy Martin's performance in the second half. Um, but, yeah, it's just unfortunate for North Carolina. I mean, Baycott um, clearly wasn't, like in warm-ups, he wasn't out there with the entire team. And they said that they wanted to like, give him as much treatment or whatever before the game. They didn't really want him out there running around. And, like, it was just clear early on in the first half. I mean, he had to limp to the free throw line. He was getting fouled. He was an absolute warrior. Nobody like that in the NBA. But uh, you got to give credit to him for sticking through it. And then he twisted his ankle again. I don't know if you guys saw the video, but, like, the floor. Yeah, yeah the floor, floor bent. bent. North Carolina fans are not happy about that. Yeah, and that, that was almost that's kind of almost the same spot where Maddox slipped on the last play of the game, too. So just – Yeah, I was. I, it literally it looked like he was out cold for a couple seconds. And then, and then Puff Johnson, the younger brother, Cam Johnson, oh, yeah. coming off the bench there, scoring 11 points, and then puking on the floor. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, it was clear North, North Carolina invested everything, but got to give credit to Kansas for coming back. Um, I was pulling very hard for North Carolina just because I despise Kansas, but I guess you got to give credit where credit's due. They didn't quit, and um, they're national champs. But, yeah, Christian Braun, about what, Braun, whatever you said, Nicholas, I agree. He Started to frustrate me again. He's now my most hated player in college basketball. Um, but yeah, Kansas wins it all. Bill Self gets a second ring, and I feel like North Carolina has a big core coming back next year. So I, I don't think they're going to be going anywhere anytime soon. But I heard like a lot of people saying that is it going to be Kansas, the number one seed, uh, winning the national championship, or is the Cinderella story going to be complete? 
excuse me, sir, um, North Carolina will never, ever be the same as Australia. That's North Carolina. Yep. I don't care what you do there. Um, they expect to be there. And just unfortunate the way the game had to unravel at the end. But still an unbelievable game. That even when the, when it was a draw in the first half, I was highly entertained. It was very high level, uh, very high level basketball. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could definitely tell, like, Everyone on the floor was playing like that was the last game of basketball like they will ever, ever play in their lives. And like I agree with you, Danny, you're not going to see that in the, in the NBA because like it's a job. It's not like a passion, but in college, it's a lot more like it's they're playing a lot more like they're passionate about the game. I'm not going to say the NBA players aren't passionate, but you know, like Kobe, Michael Jordan, like you you see the passion they have out there. But mm. in this game, you're never going to see every single. You're not going to see people puking on the floor like that. Mm. And, like, people trying to play through, like, a near-broken ankle almost. Yeah. Like, that's, that's just how it is. I just I want to add, um, going off of that, there are two players in the NBA this year, there's only two, that have started every single game for their respective teams. Did you guys see this? Do you know who, uh, yeah, do you know who these I are? Did, I did see this. They are, it's Macau Bridges and Sadiq Bey. And uh, I think that tells you, I think that screams a lot about Villanova. They've got the attitude. Yeah, Only two in the entire league to start every game for their teams. So, uh, kind of a natural segue there. To the NBA, we are in the last week of the regular season. Uh, we have not talked about the NBA a ton uh, this semester on the show because we've just had a lot of other stuff to deal with. But um, if you look at the standings for the first time in a while, you may be surprised to see that the uh, – one thing that really I didn't – not realize this until this morning. The Toronto Raptors have cleared the play. They're in. They are in, in. Right now they're on the five line. And uh, they can't really move up past that. They could fall to the six, but uh, they are firmly in the playoffs um, after a couple years of really struggling after Kawhi Leonard left. Um, they did make the playoffs during the bubble, and they I think they made the second round. Yeah, they did make the second round, losing the Celtics, but they missed the playoffs in, the play-in tournament entirely last year. Um, having to play what they they didn't not play any games in Canada because of COVID protocols so they treated it basically we have 82 road games and um, listen you don't have Kyle Lowry there anymore uh, obviously Kawhi is long gone but uh, this is a team that still has a lot of players that played big minutes on the championship team you have uh, uh, you, you got uh, obviously Pascal Siakam leading that team Fred, Fred Van Fleet is uh, one of their better players as well. And then you add uh, some young guys like uh, Gary Trent Jr. and uh, Precious Chua to that team. And uh, they're, they're, they're solid. OG Anubi as well. So I'm very su- I'm surprised to see them in this position. But really solid year for them. I don't love their chances, <laughs> quite frankly, against either any of the top four seeds. But just wanted to highlight that real quickly. Uh, moving on, because this I do want to discuss, the top of the East, top four seeds, it's just an absolute dogfight right now. Um, the Bucks, Celtics, and Sixers are all currently 49-30 and 30 with three games left. They occupy the two through four seeds. The Heat are two and a half games up on the one line there. Uh, they can be caught, but I think it would require them losing out and some of the other teams winning out. So, I, think the Heat have, I, mean, have, I don't think they've clinched. Maybe they have. Um, it will be very tough for them to be caught. They will most likely be the one seed. But I think they play the Magic. No, I think the Heat. I think the Heat clinched, clinched division. They clinched division. I'm taking one seed. Oh, one seed. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. 
anyway, the top four teams have been neck and neck all uh, the neck and neck most of the year. The Celtics kind of a late comer to that group, um, but uh, I am very curious to see how this all shakes out. And just I listen if the Nets get the eight seed. I like I like the Heat. I think they're a good team. The Nets will be the first eight seed in NBA history to be favored over a one seed because I just yeah. There's just a lot to unpack here. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think this is probably going to be the best Eastern, at least for the Eastern Conference. This is going to be the best Eastern Conference tournament maybe ever. Like I'm not going to count the Hawks and the Hornets at the bottom because I don't believe in this playing. But for for the top eight, I mean it's there, but I don't believe it. Yeah. <laughs> and but for the top eight seeds, I think any of those teams can win more than one of the series. Like, they can win their first series and win, win the next one. Like, I think the Nets can, the Cavs, the Bulls, and then everyone above them. So it's going to be a complete dogfight. And uh, this might be – I might watch every single series in, like, in the East here just because there's no, like, Phoenix Suns versus the San Antonio Spurs if they somehow get in at 34 and 45. Clip, uh, Clippers. Or, yeah. or the Clippers. Yeah, any of those teams. But um, it should be very fun to watch, and I'm just excited for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just think – Nets dynamic, them still being one of the title favorites and coming in having to having to win twenty games, I think it's gonna be very interesting because we're gonna get one of the top teams in the East, whether that be the Heat or Celtics, um, Bucks, Sixers, one of them's gonna have to play the Nets, assuming they get through the playing round. So that'll be a very uh, entertaining first round matchup. Unfortunate for the top for the top seed to head. Yep. Good years that they get Kevin Durant in the first round. But yep. I think um, the more I've been thinking about it, I don't think you can bet, really bet against the defending champs. Uh, Bucks, I think, have to be a favorite in the East. Um, Giannis, uh, Middleton, and Drew Holiday have to be one of the one of the best, if not the best, big three in all basketball. And the way the uh, game is officiated now, Giannis can just—I don't even know—it's just so frustrating to watch. Just put his head down and drive to the rim and run into people, and it's a foul. So it's. What it is, he's, I get it, he's great, but I just think they got to call something. Without, it's, yeah, he's hard to stop, but like I guess the, in the playoffs, they do officiate the games better. But the end of the Nets game last week really frustrated me. Just watching that, Giannis, the last couple possessions, and just put his mm-hmm. head in. Again, he made that one three. He, yeah, Giannis made a step back three. Like, <laughs> he is evolving a little bit. <laughs> yeah, we'll see how he shoots from three in the playoffs. Yeah. Just puts his head down. I just think it's. I just think it's nonsense. It's tough to watch, but hopefully in the playoffs he officiates a little better. And then I'm also interested to see the, the crash and burn of uh, the Sixers with Harden. Um, can't wait. That's the one number one thing I'm looking forward to. But if I have to pick a team to root for, or I, I said the Bucks in my prediction, but I'm going to be rooting for the Heat. I want to see buckets get back to the finals. Uh, ideally, I want to see them get a ring. They've never won a championship before, but it should be highly entertaining. And um, once we get past the, the playing rounds. Yeah. Um, Kevin Durant said that like that the team really hasn't had any continuity, which is very true. He missed about thirty games with injury. Kyrie Irving has been a part-time player for the majority of the season, if he's been playing at all. So, uh, I think that getting a little continuity here to, as the regular season ends with their uh, with the two superstars and then the depth pieces, Seth Curry, Blake Griffin, those guys. Um, I think they're incredibly dangerous. Uh, this is not a team that 
you are really rewarding the one seed by getting to play, assuming, or the one, or the two seed, assuming they get in. So that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, John, I'm mean, I'm gonna disagree with you. I don't think you said what was you, what was your claim? The Raptors, Bulls, and Cavs could potentially win two series. I think they could win two series. Win two? No, no, no. I, I'm sorry, John. No, the uh, the Bulls are 0 and 13 or 0 and 14 against the top three seeds in each conference. They have not been able to compete uh, with the cream of the crop in the NBA so far this year, and losing Lonzo Ball has really impacted them defensively much more than I thought it would. Um, the Cavs are young. They're a nice story. Uh, they play hard. They're, they're athletic, but uh, in crunch time. Did they finally get a win? No, they did a while ago. They, 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 they started 0-14. I know that. They started the season 0-14 against the top three seeds in the East and the West. Well, this isn't the same team. They were not a top three seed. Yeah. I think that, that was when, like, like I think for the East, that would be the Heat, the Bucks, and the Sixers. Yeah, I mean, if you had if you had the same exact seeding like two months ago, I don't think mm. it would... It would be the same story, but uh, now the, we're the, all at this my, point. The my point still stands. Okay. The Bulls have been unable to compete with the cream of the crop in the NBA so far this season. That's fair. Uh, and then the Raptors, I just like again, great story. I just don't think they have the firepower to win multiple series. I could actually, I could see them, maybe giving the Sixers a little bit of a hard time, but I can't see them winning too. Uh, yeah. So, just looking at the looking. I don't really want to talk about the play, and I don't really care about the Hawks Hornets, um, as, as John mentioned. Uh, I know Danny picked the Bucks to win the East, but that's my pick as well. Uh, the best big three in the NBA, uh, probably uh, a top two player, if not num- not best player in the NBA right now, and Giannis Antetokounmpo. He's I he's getting better, which is scary, just scary to see. He's you forget he's still only 26. He's won two MVPs, Defensive Player of the Year, Champion, Finals MVP, and he's getting better which is just horrifying for the rest of the NBA. Uh, Drew Holiday is one of the best uh, guard defenders in the league, and Chris Middleton uh, down the stretch has made some big, big, big buckets for this team. And then when you add in uh, the three-point shooting they get from their bench with guys like Grayson Allen, you know, great human being that he is, and, you know, NBA fan favorite. <laughs> but uh, he, can still, he can still shoot. Duke uh, product. Duke product. He can still shoot. And uh, I think uh, with the three-point shooting around their three superstars, I think they're the team to beat in the conference. I feel like until you're dethroned as, as champion, you can't be. I feel like that should be just a cardinal rule of sport. Until you're dethroned, you should always be a favorite. So, the Bucs, I think, until the Suns prove they can beat the Bucs, then I think the Bucs should be not just a favorite in the East, but a favorite in all basketball. I don't know. I think the, uh, to, to translate that more directly, I think the Braves should be the favorites to win the NL over the Dodgers this year? I do. Oh, we'll okay. We'll get to that. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll, 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 we'll get, we get to, to baseball. We'll get to that. All right. Anyway. Danny, you do know the Dodgers like took the Braves' best player from the postseason last year, right? <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, John, who you got winning the Eastern Conference? You know, I really want to go with the Celtics, but something that's huge for that team is the loss of uh, Robert Williams, Williams down yep. low. Yep. Like I think without him, I mean they they just won by like forty the other night, so I don't like I can't use recent performance as like an indicator for that. But I think that he played a huge role on the team, like just filling out that that five spot down low. And now you have Daniel Tice, who's like 
he could be an NBA starter on a couple teams, but he shouldn't be on the number two seed in the East, if you know what I mean. Like, he's just not that guy. So I think when the Celtics, they'll, they'll probably win the first series, maybe the second, but if they hit, you know, like a like a, like a Giannis or he has to go up against Embiid, I don't think, like, he's going to be able to stop those guys. So I don't want to make it, like, the same all around the board, but I, I don't know how I can root against the – or I can pretty much bet against the Bucks right now because it seems, it seems like they've got everything going for them. The Heat, like, they're, they're at the top of the conference, but, like – you know, I don't I don't trust the Heat, to be honest with you. Like they made it they made it to the finals that one year and then they've been wishy washy here and there and it I don't see I can't see them beating the Bucks. Like maybe even I don't even know if they can beat the Sixers in a seven game series, honestly, but I think they're just a kind of a smaller team. So, you know, I I gotta go with the Bucks as much as it pains me <laughs> to kinda keep it consistent here. I mean, hey, listen, like I th- there's a reason. That yeah, no, there's a hundred percent is. I think the East definitely, you'd have to say that was more wide open than the West. I think in the West, the Suns just have been so dominant all year. Like, I think, honestly, I think we might get a... Uh, Finals rematch? Yeah, we might actually get it. Depending on the Warriors and their health, um, no disrespect to the Grizzlies, but I, I don't think they're quite ready to truly win a championship with how young this team is uh, at the moment, but they're definitely going to be a team to be reckoned with. I mean, they already are, but I'm saying title-wise in the, in the coming years. But I think if the Warriors are fully healthy with Draymond, they, that's the system, you, Draymond, Steph, Clay, um, I feel like they're as good as anybody in the league. So they get paired up against the Suns. That, that would be a hell of a series. But besides the I – think, I think you really only have two teams in the West. I, don't, I can't really see anyone else getting to the finals besides the Suns or the Warriors. But – Great natural segue there to the Western Conference playoffs. Uh, as Danny, uh, the uh, first of all, just uh, want to mention that uh, how could LeBron James, the greatest player of all time, ever be expected to compete with Dejounte Murray and Lonnie Walker? Uh, the Spurs have clinched the play-in over the Lakers, who were eliminated last night with their loss to the Suns. I just, it's, I, I don't know how they, how people even thought that was going to be a fair fight. Uh, again, just the Lakers' road record blows my mind that they're eleven and twenty-eight away from home. Uh, that honestly might be the thing that like shocks me the most about this season. That they they're five hundred at home. They're twenty and twenty, but they are um, seventeen games under on the road, which I just stuns me. Um, I don't know what they're going to do next year, but just a couple things that I just want to throw out. Anthony Davis, and so his last year in New Orleans, he scored thirty-five plus seventeen times. His first year in Los Angeles, he scored 35 plus 10 times. This year, he did miss 40 games, but he didn't score over 35 once. You guys know who the worst three-point shooter in the NBA is, uh, percentage-wise? Is it Anthony Davis this year? Wow. Um, So, for all the LeBron haters that are just so delusional and can't get the hatred out of their mind that say he built this team, sure. But LeBron James, in my opinion, isn't the best general manager of all time. He's the best player of all time. So... As Magic Johnson said, the whole move to get Russell Westbrook, which people are people have been ripping on him, I guess, on social media, but some people are also defending him, saying it's not Russell Westbrook's fault. He's terrible. He's a team killer. He has been his entire career. So I never really understood why 
they went with paying him a ton of money. So I think objective 1A for next year is get cutting ties with Westbrook. Magic Johnson pointed out that the Lakers, uh, or DeMar, interest, DeMar DeRozan expressed interest in going to Los Angeles, but the Lakers didn't, didn't reciprocate the interest. So it would be unreasonable to expect going into this season uh, the, the numbers that DeMar DeRozan has put up. I mean, he's playing at a first-team All-NBA level for pretty much the majority of the year. I think he started in the All-Star game. So he did. Can't really fault the Lakers for not seeing that coming, but I just don't – I never really understood the Westbrook move, and I would ra- I would rather have had DeRozan over Westbrook seven times a week, twice on Sunday. So that's interesting. And also, I think Anthony Davis, it's just – he's coming down to pass his prime. I mean, it's tough to say that it's so early. I think he's only like 30. He's not – dude, I think he's 27. I think twenty seven. I I don't think he's thir- I don't think he's thirty yet. Let me look. I don't think he's thirty yet. But he's done. He can't stay healthy, and he's just twenty nine. Yeah, he's not even thirty yet. He's declining, and I think you got to cut ties with him. And I think LeBron's going to stay in LA, so you got to go after a, another um, you know big name free agent or trade. I don't think they're going to have any problem acquiring any talent, but this time you got to hit on it. What are they, how are they going to How are they going to trade for anybody? They don't have any picks left, do they? Sign someone. I mean, you, you can Lakers, sign someone. Yeah, they have unlimited money. Yeah, the Lakers—they're returning, like basically just five significant players: Russ, Anthony Davis, LeBron, Taylor Horton Tucker, and Kendrick Nunn. And like that's pretty much it. And that's—they're going to be like, and then there's a, there's like three more, but I think they're like Stanley Johnson's on there, but they're all like borderline G League guys. So it's going to be—it's going to be interesting to see like what they actually do in the off season. Because you got one more, like you got one more year of Russ, one more of LeBron, and then like, like how do you build around that? Do you just like give up next year too? Because you're kind of like stuck with all this, and then you don't, you know, like I think you have to immediately cut tr- cut ties with Westbrook. I think that has to be your first objective. I don't think you can win any. I mean, you can't win anything with him on your team, so you just got to get rid of him. And then AD, I just I don't think he can stay healthy and. Yeah, well, he's he got look he's the got same even when he is healthy. Like, yeah, he, he doesn't have that ability to go out and just dominate a game like he used to. Mm-hmm. His contract has three more years left yeah. on it, so I don't know. Maybe they I don't know what they're going to do with that contract or try to trade him because I'm sure that he there would be a lot of teams interested in uh, mm-hmm. acquiring his services. But we'll see. NBA offseason, obviously, we still got to focus on the end of the regular season. Yeah, playoffs. yeah, that's for later. That's for later. Um, unlike the Eastern Conference, uh, well, actually, I, I take that back. Um, in the West, I really think the Timberwolves are a team that people should be afraid of. I think that if they play the Grizzlies, there is a very good chance they beat them. Um, the Grizzlies, I get it. They're a great team. They're a young team, but they're very young. Uh, the Timberwolves do have a little bit more experience. They have Patrick Beverly, who's the most grizzled veteran I could possibly imagine uh, on that team, along with uh, D'Lo and Cat. Uh, I think they're a, a tough matchup for a lot of people. And uh, I just, like, obviously, John Morant is the Grizzlies' best player. I don't understand why, how, I don't, they're 20 and 2 without him. Like, that is, it's not like it's eight, it's not like it's nine and one where it's like a smaller sample size. They've played over a quarter of their season without him, and they are 20 and 2. And I can't tell you why. They have a good supporting cast. They're a deep team. I mean, clearly, but like, they're 20 and 2 without him, which means they're, 35 and 22 with with him? Yeah, I don't know. It, that, those numbers do not line up. But huh. I don't think there's any disputing that he is 
still, I mean, he's still, he's still their best player. I'm not arguing that. But yeah, those. I, I don't know. It is tough to explain. Um, John, what are your thoughts on the Western Conference? I I like the T Wolves too. I mean, I think they're kind of flying under the radar this whole season. Like they they beat. They beat these big name teams, and then everyone like memes on them. Like they meme meme the bigger team on social yep. media. Like, oh, you just lost to the Timberwolves. But I mean, Cat has been Cat for the past however many years. Mm-hmm. Like consistent center, he can shoot. Like, what's there not to like about him? Anthony Edwards is like honestly one of the most underrated players in the league right now. He's putting up twenty two a game, and you like you barely hear about him unless he like throws down a monster dunk on top yeah. of someone's head. So he's not getting any commentary. I I haven't heard about D'Angelo Russell in the longest time. He's putting up 18 a game. I mean, they're they're a good team, and uh, they have that kind of firepower to go up with anyone. Not that I'm, not that I'm saying they're gonna vie for a championship or anything, but they should definitely you should you should look out for them. They're not gonna be an easy out. I definitely agree with both of you. I'm also very high on the Timberwolves. I, I've been saying Carl uh-huh. Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards are phenomenal basketball players. Anthony Edwards Anthony Edwards is a rising star in the NBA. So I I totally agree that. If they were uh, the seven seed playing the two seeded Grizzlies, that the Timberwolves would have a fantastic chance of upsetting the Grizzlies. But if we're talking about title contenders, I don't think the Grizzlies no. or Timberwolves are there yet. No. But I mean, I could. De- I mean, they could give anyone in the West, all, including the Suns, trouble. Like they are by no means a just shoe in cake. We're gonna bring out the brooms and sweep you. The Timberwolves have, are a good basketball team. They're young. They can shoot. If you're if you're a high seed in the West, I would. Much rather play like the Pelicans or Spurs yeah. or I don't know what yep. Kawhi and Paul George's George health status. I I doubt we'll see Kawhi because he just takes himself so seriously. I know he never rushed himself back, but that's true. Apparently Zion Williamson's family expects him to play in the plan. So yeah, I was telling. What did I? Yeah, tell we, you were ta- we were talking about yeah. this yesterday in class. Uh, that they that that that's kind of a game, that's a game changer <laughs> if he comes back and plays in the plan. I'm not saying that they beat the Suns or. Even really take them to six games, but that would I would they'd have to be the favorites to get the eight seed then. And hey, imagine he sits out for it's over it's over a year now, yeah. right? And then all of a sudden he's in the playoffs. He's like, like okay. <laughs> I want to see like what that would actually like yeah. how Zion plays right now because like I have no clue. I don't I don't even yeah. know what the dude looks like anymore. There's Where all those stories see, about man? his weight. And Apparently his yeah. what was it his like his, his stepfather step- or something yeah. like came out to the media and said like. Yeah, I expect Zion to play this year. Yeah, like the most random person that could have came out and said that. No, that would be hilarious if he comes in and dominates. Yeah, imagine he drops like 40. But are you sure? Like Kawhi and Paul George together, like you don't want to face that. You don't, but I don't think Kawhi's coming back. (coughs) That's unfortunate. What about Jamal Murray in Denver? Is he, what's his status? Well, actually, apparently Kawhi Leonard was seen at a Clippers practice. Hmm. Um, so I yeah, and they see Ben Simmons at the Nets practice. Well, Ben Simmons, you know, he's not going to play. Ruled he's out. already been yeah, ruled yeah. out. Yeah, uh, the Nets with Simmons would have been a lot more intriguing. I still think they have a good chance, but with Simmons, I probably would have picked them to win the East. Jamal Murray ramping up his preparation towards return. That was two days ago, so yeah. I assume he's going to be back for the first round of the playoffs. Hopefully, yeah. but uh, obviously, while all these guys are great players, the overwhelming caveat is all these guys have missed like a year, oh, yeah. if not more. Yeah. Um, having to shake off the rust and be ready to go. There, there is no guarantee that they are of themselves when they first come back. Yeah, and, and the I mean the Jazz and the Nuggets. I don't know how I feel about those two franchises. Like mm. it seems like they're always in it, like middle middle upper of the yeah. pack in the West. But they you never really expect them to actually do anything. Yeah. Like I think that 
guys like Jokic and Gobert are just kind of like mm. there and like balling out, but with really nothing to ever show for it because you can't really expect them to ever win, which is kind of funny. Like, mm-hmm. or even get to the like you expect them to top out at the Western yeah. Western Finals and actually go to the NBA championship. But um, yeah, I'm not, I don't really ever expect anything out of those two teams, but. To kind of bring it to the Dallas Mavericks here, yeah, I'm, I I'm liking say. what I see out of the Dallas so Mavericks. So I was gonna say, since December, since the year hit 2022, this has been a different team. They are 32 and 12, 20 games over 500. What are we talking about? The Mavs. Since January 1st, they are 32 and 12. In that span, Luca is averaging 29, 10 and 9. Uh, in the past two months, he's playing the best basketball of his illustri- already illustrious career. Averaging 32, 10, and 8 on 47% shooting from the field and 40% shooting from three, which when you consider the degree of difficulty on his three-point attempts, how many step-backs he takes, is unbelievable. Um, I will die on this hill. You guys can laugh me if you want. The Currently, today, the best basketball player in the Western Conference is 77 in Dallas. I love Jokic. I am a huge Jokic guy, but... I just I don't think he can carry a team offensively the way Luca has been, and the knock on Luca for all forever has been defense, defense, defense. And yeah, when he got into the league, he wasn't a good defender. He has the second best second best defensive rating for a guard this year. Second best. I, I'm not saying I'm obviously the analytics aren't the end all be all, and I'm not going to say oh yeah, Luca's the second best defensive guard in the NBA. But it shows that he's like you can't just switch on him and hunt him. And honestly, the most impressive part of the Mav- of this run for me for Luca has been in winning time at the end of games. He is calling for screens, switching onto your best player, and hunting them. He did it to Giannis the other day in the win in Milwaukee. He did it to LeBron in a primetime game a couple weeks ago. Uh, I believe he did it to maybe, uh, I think it was Durant when they played the Nets. He, he is, oh, I'm sorry, it wasn't Durant. It was uh, Rudy Gobert when they um, beat the Jazz. They, he will take your best defender, and he will. It, he, he want he wants that matchup. He will isolate your best defender and score. And also being a premier passer in the NBA, in, one of the premier passers in the league, and a great rebounder, not just for a guard, a great rebounder. I will take him right now over any other player in the Western Conference. It's an interesting take. <laughs> it's definitely a take. Um, there are a lot of injuries to star players in the West, so you, you do have that going for you. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, the, the Mavericks are definitely another team that you don't want to don't want to play um, in the in the playoffs in, in this next week because obviously you have Luca, Jalen Brunson, Pride of Villanova attitude yep. is also a stud. He's yep. Spencer Dinwiddie's been huge since yeah, being fired from the Wizards. Kind of, he yeah. when he was on the Wizards, he yeah, he was, was balling out and no one was really yeah, talking yeah, well, about yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. No one cared. And now no. he's and his numbers have gotten even better in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dorian Finney-Smith has turned um, into a really good three and D guy. And Dwight Powell, I'm not going to like pretend he's like a particularly skilled player, but he's been a legitimate scoring option for the Mavs. Um, my friends, my friend likes to joke he's Luca's designated lob catcher, but like, I mean, he's he's a g- great athlete, pretty good defender, and uh, yeah, he's been scoring a lot for them. Yeah. Uh, so, so in your unbiased opinion about the Dallas Mavericks, Nick, uh, in my unbiased opinion, yeah, what it's do you? Very wh- tough to ask Nicholas an unbiased. No, no, I'm, no, I'm, I'm not trying. Very biased. All right, go ahead, go ahead. No. Uh, what do you think their ceiling is? Realistically, is ceiling? Yeah, their ceiling this year. Do you Ce- think they can win the championship? I think their ceiling this year is Western Conference champions. I don't see them beating 
the Bucks four times out of seven, or the, the yeah, I don't see them beating the Eastern Conference champion four times out of seven. I don't think they're deep enough, but um, I think that. Let me tell me if you get a date with the Sixers or Heat, if you, you're you're confident they can beat the Suns, but they can't yeah. beat the Sixers or Heat. The uh, or the Celtics. I they could beat the Celtics. The I don't know why Lucas used the Celtics and like there there must have been he, like six year old Luca must have like really loved Dirk and then like the Celtics like beat up on the Mavericks because every time he plays the Celtics it's like I'm personally offended and will score a buzzer beater in your face. Um, but I no I think they're I do think they're ceiling as conference champions for I'm uh, conference champions because in all likelihood you're getting the Bucks you're getting the Nets. Um, the big advantage that they have in the West is no matter who they play, Luka's going to be the best player on the floor. If you play the Bucks, that's not true. If you play the Nets, that's not true. If you play the Sixers, that's arguable. Um, so I, I think my my unbiased, realistic ceiling is that. With that said, that ceiling, I'm not saying that's going to happen. They could, they could lose in the first round. I don't think they will. They're a better team than the Jazz. Uh, but uh, I'm trying to get. I'm hoping they get on the three line. So that they can try to avoid the Suns for as long as possible, because that's going to be a brutal matchup. Um, but yeah, I'm excited. I think uh, the mini narrative about um, that a lot of uninformed fans say about like, oh, Luca can't win a playoff series. Well, he's had two playoff series against a team designed to counter him, who has the two best wing defenders in two of the best wing defenders in the league. And oh, by the way, he's the all-time leading playoff scorer in points per game. He averages 35. Averages. So I think that little mini-narrative from a lot of uninformed NBA fans is going to die a quick and painful death this postseason, but uh, hopefully they can uh, go on a sustained run here. Me and Nicholas have talked about this a lot. This is the year for Luka. There are uh, no excuses for him if if they get bounced in the first round. They're going to be looking like they're going to be playing uh, home court advantage. They're going to have home court. So whether that be against the Nuggets or against the Jazz, I'll be watching that close, that series very closely. Uh, yeah. Even though I d- did not like Luca um, for various reasons last year, he has grown, continued to grow on me to the point where I like him. So I will not be rooting against him by any means, but I'm just saying I will be watching that 4 yeah. or 5 matchup, assuming the Mavericks don't pass the Warriors very closely. Yeah, I'm hoping to get on that three line to avoid this uh, potential Suns matchup in the second round. Do- the Mavs do have the tiebreaker with the Warriors. Um, do we have a timetable on Stefan's return? Because it seems like the Warriors are currently playing with fire. I will look that up. They are. They are not gonna three and seven in their last ten games. Yeah, they have one two in a row. They have one two in a row. They've beaten. Uh, they got a close win over the Jazz, and they've beaten. They actually beat the Heat. They, they beat the Heat in a weird game where, that was the game where like Jimmy Butler got in a fight with Eric Spoelstra. That was also the game when <laughs> Draymond, Steph, Clay, all of them were out, and the Warriors yeah. were like eleven point under. Yeah, and they won. They beat the the perennial superstar <laughs> Sacramento Kings, but uh, that's yeah around four game loss streak and a three game loss streak. Uh, so they have the Lakers at San Antonio and at New Orleans left. Steph will not return during the regular season. He's going to return in the postseason. Okay. Um, yep. So if you're the Mavs, just one of those game teams could steal the game, and then you win out. You're on the three line, but winning out is no guarantee. Uh, the Mavericks, while they've been this hot, they've been playing the level of their opponent a little bit. A, a, a little bit. They went into Washington and just got I, – I, they got blown out by the Wizards, which makes no sense to me. And then they go into Milwaukee and beat them. Um, they got, they're playing the Pistons right now. They're in a battle. 
They're in a battle. Five or seven minutes <laughs> off in the second. second. How's Sadiq playing? Uh, yeah. Then they got the Blazers, <laughs> something like yeah. that. Then they got the Blazers <laughs> and the Spurs. So those are uh, those are three teams are better than uh, when they're at full strength, which they are. So hopefully that's three wins. But you gotta get some help from either the Lakers, the Spurs, or the Pelicans to get on that three line. I just want to say uh, one thing that has been on my mind the past couple of days about the NBA, and I guess it this opinion was sparked by listening to a uh, who now is my favorite radio broadcaster Colin Coward, his segment about how a large chunk of the NBA regular season is borderline unwatchable. Uh, I think the NBA... They, that well, sounds right up your alley. I don't think I know the NBA has a major, major problem on their hands where you have superstar after superstar after superstar after superstar after superstar basically saying, I don't care about the regular season. I'm going to make up some garbage injury, which if it was a playoff game... I'm not saying they're garbage. Like I'm not denying Steph doesn't have a little bruise on his foot. But if it was a playoff game, he would be in. So, shorten the season. I'm sick and tired of watching superstar players miss half the season just because they don't want to deal with lingering injuries. They don't want to make them worse because all that matters is playoff time. You have teams, team after team after team after team, openly, willingly saying, we don't care where we're seated. We don't care about the regular season. Just put us in the playoffs, and we'll do damage there. Like, that's a bunch of nonsense. Cut the game. I don't know. What is there, 82 or 83 games? Cut it to 52. Make it like you're playing – if you, you got all these stars sitting out on they can't play back to back. Oh my god. Like come on. It's terrible. It's bad for the sport. It's not it's not good for the fans. People are buying tickets to these games to watch their favorite players, to watch superstars play. Um, one guy I do have to give credit to is Giannis. He's always out there. He doesn't miss. There's just so many superstars across the league that are just load management taking re- like it's just nonsense. You got to shorten the season. You got to have the superstars out there at all times. Um and I think, I think shortening the season will make the effort, the intensity, and the regular season go through the roof. We'll see teams actually care about winning these games. We'll see teams giving 110% effort on, on a you know, nightly basis. You won't see the nonsense that you see regularly in the NBA. When, I mean, he, Coward posted some huge list of LeBron was at the top of it, Embiid, Jokic, et cetera, Kevin Durant, Harden, all sitting out. And it's just... I don't. I don't think it's good for the game. I think you got to fix it, and I think one simple solution is just to shorten. The season. Mm. I think that's an interesting idea, but the problem is um, the NBA will never make a decision willingly where they're going to lose a ton of money, and if they do that, they will lose a ton, a ton of money on ticket on TV contracts and ticket revenue. But I agree with you that a large portion of the NBA regular season is just like, bro, come on. Right now, the Warriors are completely content with sitting out their best player when they are in the middle of a seed chase or hunt, whatever you want to call it. They could either be the three or the four. And they are willingly saying, we do not care. Three, four, six, seven, who cares? Just put us in. And regular season means nothing. And that's bad for the game. Why even play the regular season if, if all that matters is the playoffs? Like, I just think it's nonsense. And I think the NBA has to. I agree that probably not going to do that because it will cost them a ton of money. But it's just something I'm throwing out there because this is a major problem that mm. they have to fix. Yeah, and – I pulled up like Will Chamberlain's uh, basketball reference stats just to like kind of compare <laughs> this very different era to that very different era, and he played like he was he was playing like every minute of every single game yeah. this season. There, and, wasn't there a season where he averaged over forty eight minutes per game? <laughs> Will Will Chamberlain averaged in the sixty one sixty two season forty eight and a half minutes a game. <laughs> Jesus Christ! And you know, I I don't think 
that you could physically do that in today's NBA though. No. Like because the con- back compare the conditioning of the players and like just the level like the speed of the game. Compare that for, like the the game in the 60s to now. I mean, you have athletes that have pretty much trained like scientifically their entire life to become the best basketball players that they can going up against each other every single night. I don't think you, I don't think it's sustainable to go out and do that every single night for a full 82 game season. And I'm not saying that's a good thing. I I think that you know the the players should play in the games that they're getting paid to play in. But if there's pretty much a guarantee that you're going to get injured doing it at some point down the over the course of the season and like you don't know how that can uh, change your like the outcome of your future, like the future of your career. Like I don't know if they're I don't know if sitting out's necessarily a bad option just from that perspective. And but I don't think that I don't think it's a good thing that that's happening. So I'm, I'm just trying to think of like a way that you would be able to fix that and still play yeah, no. 82 games, you know what I mean? I definitely agree with you like Kawhi Leonard has a knee injury, whatever. He's sore knee. Rather than go out there and play the Pelicans on November 14th, he doesn't want his entire career to be ruined by potentially going out there and then yeah. tearing your Achilles or whatever. So I totally get that. But it still doesn't take away from the fact that there is a problem, and the NBA just has to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if the players would care if they didn't get paid, but maybe don't pay them if they if they don't play. Like, I mean, for the superstar that are making you know hundred million dollar contracts, they're probably not going to care. But I just think the NBA used to be like the NBA's always played eighty two games. Like in the early two thousands, they you didn't see load management. Yeah, and I don't know who. I don't know if it's LeBron. I don't know if it's Greg Popovich and Kawhi. Like, who you would point the finger at and say, you started this. But the past decade, the NBA has just been, like, just taking a turn for the worst. Yeah. I think they got us. They got uh, Luckily, us three are not on the NBA yeah. board of commissioners. <laughs> so we, we're not responsible for figuring out uh, a solution to this problem. But yeah. they definitely have. I, I agree. There has to be some kind of solution, whether it's uh – I mean, like, I'm not expecting – I'm not saying guys got to play all 82, but if you're healthy the entire season, you shouldn't be sitting more than eight games, really. You should be playing 74, 75. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's um, upping, like, the game requirements for, like, scoring titles and things like that. Um, I mean, like, how many games has LeBron played this year? I believe he's missed. <laughs> Half the season, probably. The past three years, which have been – I. I think 150 games total because the COVID year, he has missed 50. So he's missed a third of the past. Yeah. So he's played 56 games so far this season. They got two left. I mean, I, I, he probably, I don't know if he's gonna play any either, but he's gonna miss at least over a quarter of the season. And he um, would, he's eligible to win the scoring title. It's between him and Embiid. Uh, and Giannis is also in there too. I don't think the whole, I'm shutting it down for the season. See y'all in the fall. Wasn't it? No, that was it. You don't think it was? No. I mean, he's not <laughs> playing. He hasn't played since. Like, why would that be a joke? I think, I don't know. <laughs> I initially thought it was, but, like, their season was on the line last night, and he didn't play. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, if Anthony Davis, who's coming back from an injury, is healthy enough to be out there, I would think LeBron got a lingering ankle injury would would do the same. So, I kind of do think it was real, but who knows? It's just a yeah. tweet. It doesn't really matter. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, I don't know, maybe, like, to win the scoring title, you got to play 70 games. And that, that allows you to have – I mean, you're, that's a month worth – that's a month's worth of games because you're playing about 12 games a month. 
So you can miss a month's worth of games and still be the scoring title. You can't you can't miss a quarter of the season. Yeah, I agree that. I mean, but for a lot of players that aren't in it for the scoring title. Well, but like you're saying, like the superstars, and like I think that'll be effective. It's just one idea, like you said, yeah. we're not the NBA board directors. Uh, it's the top of the hour. It's actually a past the top of the hour. Uh, so it's time for a Villanova Station ID. Villanova University's WXVU Villanova. Online at wxvu.villanova.edu. On air at 89.1 on your FM dial or stream us anytime, anywhere on the Radio FX app. This is Father Peter and you're listening to V891 The Roar. Uh, yeah, so that's going to wrap up our NBA coverage for today. We'll be talking more about it next week when the playoffs start. Uh, I know that tomorrow's a national holiday, but really quickly, Danny and John want to talk a little bit about the Masters, so take it away. Yeah, we'll just spend a couple... Tomorrow's a national holiday for two reasons. <laughs> Tomorrow, yeah. There's a tradition unlike reason. any other uh, starting. For one reason. Two of them. Depend- yeah, you got it. You're a baseball fan, but <laughs> the Masters is the biggest event in all of golf. Golf, it is. It is. Um, John, you start. Yeah, so there are a ton of storylines around this Masters. There usually are. Um, we've got Hideki Matsuyama, who won it last year. He's returning and with arguably the best champion's dinner. Um, he's got a very good assortment of, yeah, of Japanese food. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, no, it looked really good. Compared to, like, Bubba, Bubba Watson. Bubba Watson like, yeah, like, he had, like, he had, like, he had, like grilled chicken breast. Yeah, he could have had anything. Grilled chicken breast. <laughs> someone else won. Good menu. Bubba wins again. Grilled chicken. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw that. I, okay, we said this is going to take five minutes. But Tiger Woods, who was in a pretty horrific car accident a couple months ago, or was it a year? It might even be a year ago. Yeah, it was a long time ago. But this is going to be his first. It's his first competition since that injury, right? Yeah. And there was a, bo- a lot of. Oh, he wait, played like the father yeah. and son with with yeah, Charlie. Way to way to ease into it, Tiggy. Start with the Masters. Yeah, he's he's joining the Masters, but. I saw a picture of him today in his practice round and it, on, on the 18th green, and it literally looked like the last Sunday, Sunday of, yeah. the, of the Masters, like the amount of people that were there just cheering him on. And, I mean, I have to give a lot to Tiger here. I mean, he's just a complete competitor. Um, to, re, to rehab from so much, like he, his back injury in the past and now literally breaking both of his legs in a car accident and then rebounding for, from that and being able to compete in the most difficult stage in all of golf, yeah. like it's just something to be – attested for it's incredible and um as to whether i think he can actually win the thing i don't think tiger woods would be playing right now if he didn't believe that he could win the whole thing so i'm not counting him out by any means and he knows that course better than probably anyone in the entire field so uh i'm I'm pretty high on tiger right now if you couldn't tell by that someone asked him in a press conference because he's always said that the only reason he's playing in a tournament is if he thinks he can win and they asked him straight up like you say that, so are you, do you think you can win this tournament? He just said, I do. Yep. Like, from all the stuff I've seen on the internet, he's piping it on the range, just full back, full back swing, taking it full tort, like swing speed off the charts, mm-hmm. normal tiger, chipping looks good, draw, chi- draw chips, cut chips, everything. So if he's on his A game, I get it, it's his first tournament back, so we don't have unrealistic expectations. I think my goal for him is just make the make the weekend make the cut make the, make cut. the cut yeah um because as they say like the ratings are going to be off the charts but it's not tiger moves the needle tiger is the needle that picture shows uh-huh. the, the, it, it <laughs> practice round and it looked like the 70 sec, 70 second hole of the exactly exactly so it's just unbelievable but there's a lot of other big names up that that are uh, towards the top of the um 
like Vegas favorites for betting odds. Like Bryson DeChambeau, I think is the favorite. Maybe him or John Rahm. No, it's John Rahm. John I don't Rahm. think Dan DeChambeau is that high actually. DJ's got to be up there. Rory's been playing some quality golf lately, and he obviously needs the uh, Masters to complete the his illustrious career Grand Slam. Yep. But I think like Colin Morikawa, who's just a young stud, he's got to be one of the favorites. Um, Hideki Matsuyama, I mean, mm-hmm. he said one last year, so he got a chance to, to repeat. Brooks Kepka, um, Patrick Reed, Justin Thomas. Uh, there's yeah, there's a ton. It's the best in the world yeah, all together at once. Load, absolutely loaded field. Hopefully the weather holds off. I think the par three contest today had to be shortened due to rain, but hopefully we got some good weather and the scores are, I, I assume are going to be pretty low. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's just a, like my favorite, my favorite golf event of the year. Hopefully, as we said, Tiger can make the cut. Forget about winning. Like if Ty- in my opinion, the greatest comeback story in the history of sports is Tiger winning the 2019 Masters. Like that discussion is over if he wins it. forget again if he yeah. wins another tournament after like being on the brink of death like that is it's it's done it's done after everything he's been through um like i don't know i will faint if he wins if tiger woods is if some if hideki matsuyama is putting a green jacket on tiger on sunday i literally will faint on the spot yeah they, i can't think of one man in any other sport mm-hmm. that's just as universally loved by its fans and uh, like pretty much just crowned as the greatest of all time, other than Tiger Woods. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just to wrap everything up, everything props out to him. But the Masters is a course that doesn't necessarily favor the long hitters. It's very technical. It favors people that have played there before. So keep an eye out for guys like Cameron Smith, who's a top ten in the world right now. He's come. He was top ten, uh, I think, twice in his career. Uh, Justin Thomas coming back. John Rahm. All those guys and. Uh, Finally, like the last guy to look at is Scotty Scheffler, who I think is actually the world number one right now, who for his whole career didn't really do much and then suddenly won back-to-back tournaments and he's just on a complete heater. So, yeah, that, I think that's a pretty natural place to wrap up the Masters oh, there. man, John, you were right. I was looking at the 2020. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> I was a little confused when you were. Well, yeah. Bryson is way down there. Yeah. Jeez, I mean, his game does not fit the Augusta. No, but he's a big hitter. Scotty Scheffler's up there, wow. Um, I think one guy you got to look out for. He, all, I feel like he always plays well at Augusta. Is Jordan Spieth? Yep. Like he knows that course like the back of his hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when his putter's on, he's probably the best putter in the world, and we all know that's the key to winning at Augusta. So, I feel like you can you can never count him out, no matter how well he's playing going in the tournament. But mm. don't want to focus too much on it. We'll talk more about yeah. it next week. But just, I, just very excited I, with it. I'm not like the biggest golf guy, but if Tiger is down is like two strokes out of is like two strokes down going into championship sunday and he walks that out there in that red shirt oh my god <laughs> whoever he's playing partner is just might walk yeah. off the court <laughs> it's over anyway uh tomorrow is uh, one of my favorite days of the entire year of course we're talking about Opening day, uh, the long-awaited yes, opening day, the delayed opening day. Didn't know it was going to happen. We did not know if it was go- when it was going to happen. We did not know if it was going to happen. But uh, baseball season finally returns tomorrow. I'm very excited for another year. I played a full 162. And, uh, yeah, just over the moon about that. Um, the Yankees, uh, Aaron Judge gave his deadline to be extended uh, to today, and it didn't happen. So, um, not so thrilled about that. Uh, trying to focus on the positive, uh, positives, which is, are of course, season starting tomorrow. And uh, yeah, just I just think uh, just talking about in general. Any uh, 
John, any predictions, any hot takes, anything like that that you want to kick us off with? Hot takes to kick us off. I mean, I have a great hot take to kick us off that has uh, nothing to do with the Yankees. Okay, yeah. No, you go ahead then. I want to, I actually want to hear it. The Detroit Tigers are going to win the American League Central. Really? Yes, that is my hot take. They are listed at 6-1 to one right now, which I cannot believe. I think their roster is just as good, if not better, than the White Sox. I think the White the Sox— Detroit Tigers. I think the White Coming. Sox— Coming. I, I— I think the White Sox really overperformed last year, and uh, they lost one of their um, better starters in— um, Did they lose Radon, or— They lost—who did they lose? To free agency. They lost. They traded uh, Kimbrel to the Dodgers. Yeah, that's a they good. They lost Rodon. Yeah, they lost Rodon. That, that trade is good for the White Sox. Like, yeah. Trade Getting rid of Craig Kimbrel, that's a good trade for them. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, listen, the Tigers have been a young team for a while. They've had some really high-level prospects, and they're finally starting to actually hit the big leagues. Um, they, uh, they have the number one overall pick, uh, Spencer Torkelson. He made the team out of camp this year. He's going to be in a big pack. Big Impact guy for them. They acquired Eduardo Rodriguez, formerly of the Red Sox, who um, has had who's uh, about who's one of the more experienced pitchers for his age in the league. He's pitched in the World Series, the World Series champion. He uh, pitched big innings for the Red Sox last year during their postseason run. Um, their bullpen has gotten a lot better, acquiring guys like Andrew Chafin, uh, who was a big uh, standout with the A's formerly and with the Cubs as well. And then, like I said, their lineup just got a lot better. Acquiring Javi Baez is a big upgrade for them at the position, both offensively and defensively. Uh, trading for Austin Meadows shocked me. I cannot believe yeah, the Rays moved Austin Meadows um, for not a whole heck of a lot. Uh, I'm sure. I mean, it, the Rays have devil magic. Whoever they trade for is like a top five player at the position in three <laughs> years. But uh, this year, the impact that Meadows will have um, in that outfield with Akil Badu and uh, Robbie, Gro- uh, Robbie Grossman and Victor Reyes is the fourth outfielder. I think that's – this team is going to be good. Uh, they're going to be solid. They play in a horrible division. Um, the the Cleveland Guardians uh, – that's going to take a long time to get used to uh, – are a horrible team. I can't believe Jose Ramirez signed that low ball extension. I th- yeah, I texted you about that earlier. Yeah, what was it, five years, 125? Five years, 125. Are you he's, kidding He's a guy – he's arguably a top ten player in the – I don't think it's that arguable right yeah, now, but he's, he's a top he's ten player there. in the league. He is up there. And he could the easily, he could easily get $300 million. Yeah. But he's just – I don't get it. I don't it. know why he's settling for Cleveland. His, his agent must either be the worst agent in the league or pulling his hair out at this decision. The Royals are horrible. The Twins really regressed last year, and uh, Carlos Correa is a big addition for them. But Carlos Correa is not going to go uh, toe the slab on the pitcher's mound once every five days, and that was really their problem. So uh, neither of those three teams I think are going to be any good. The White Sox had a really good record last year, but um, – from about the halfway point in the season to the end, the Tigers had a very similar record. And new season starting, I think the White Sox got a tiny bit worse. The Tigers got significantly better. I like the Tigers to win the American League Central in an absolute rock fight. Probably going to get about 86 wins, but I think they're going to win the Central. Yeah, that's interesting. Because I I'm, I probably, along with a lot of other people, completely just counted the Tigers out looking at this season just because they haven't really done anything since... When was it? Like 2014, maybe yeah. was the last time. I I, I want to clarify. I want like I I acknowledge that the Tigers thing is a hot take. Yeah, the White Sox are not. Don't do not get confused. <laughs> the White Sox are not a good team. They play. They they had a good record because they played in an awful division. Arguably the worst. The AL Central last year was arguably the worst division in sports. Do not get confused. This is a not a great team. This is not a good team. There are probably seven. There's 
at least six teams in the American League better than the White Sox. At least. Hmm. Four of them are in one division, and we'll get to that. But Sometimes you see teams that, you know, divisions that people rip on for the majority of the year get into the playoffs and then make a run. Yeah, and then and what happened with that last year? I'm just saying, like the Giants, mm-hmm. when they would get in as like uh, NFC East, yeah. and New York football Giants would get in. They're yeah. a terrible team. Super Bowl. Yeah. ACC's horrible. ACC's horrible. Dominate the tournament. I mean, Chicago White Sox, be a bad baseball team, make playoffs, get embarrassed. They get embarrassed. <laughs> uh, one, they I, lost three to one. I think it was blowout, blowout, blow six run lead. No, but no, no, win. no, 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 no. Say how it was. Blowout, blowout. White Sox blow out the Astros. Blow a six run lead in that game. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> and then the, I think the Astros made four errors. Blowout. Okay, but but anyway. Um, John, what's your hot take or any? Uh, if I if I had to pick one, just because I know my own division the best, it would be the Marlins. Honestly, the Marlins have one of the younger, probably one of the youngest teams in the entire league, mm. and they've just been developing these guys for the past. It's probably been three or four years. Like they're and now they're all up in the big leagues. Um, their pitching staff has like as much potential as any as any in the league. Honestly, just just the potential to like be mm. great. I mean, Pablo Lopez is a guy. Um, Sandy Alcantara, he's coming too. Uh, he's got you got uh, Elizar Hernandez, and they can honestly just develop into one, two, three guys just like that. Um, they've got Jesus Aguilar, which who is I think is one of the more underrated first basemen. He's a big power hitter, but um, good defensively, he can kind of hold down that position. Mm-hmm. But they low key they've picked up guys like Jorge Soler. Um, Jazz Chisholm just keeps getting better every year. So. Yeah. Um, Joey Wendell at third, even so. I think we'll be a little. An eye on him. I think we'll be better, but um, Fangraphs has him as at uh, eighty-two wins right now. Yeah, I don't buy. I don't buy that. Which I don't necessarily buy, and this is still like a dark horse kind yeah. of pick. But um, I I don't buy that. Yeah, I think the division's going to be too competitive, but I think they'll finish out of the Nationals. I don't think they'll be in last. And uh, Nationals aren't good. Uh, I think uh, I think Juan Soto might be requesting a trade sooner rather than later. When you see that extension that he turned down. Yeah. Um. He is, he is the second best player in baseball, and he's coming for that number one spot. Um, Who are the Dodgers? The runaway favorite to win the World Series. They're the favorites. I don't they, know if they're the runaway favorites. I'll look at. I'll look, I'm just gonna go off of Fangraph odds right I'll, now. I'm, I'm looking at Vegas. Reliable. They have a 14 percent chance on this, <laughs> and then and uh, the next closest are the, are the Blue Jays. At twelve and a half percent. Blue Jays are the so best team, not, in, not necessarily a runaway, but team in the American League. League. Yes, they probably are. They are. What? Yes, they are. Um, okay, yeah. Well, by the way, uh, Vegas, uh, they're plus five hundred. Jays are next closest, plus nine hundred on BetMGM. So by that's by size of the market. Yeah, but yeah, the 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 Blue Jays are. If you have not been following baseball super closely in the last few months of the regular season last year, as well as the off season this year. The, the Blue Jays are the best team in the American League, as much as it pains me to say it. Um, so the I, I'll, I'll shift my question. Are the Dodgers the runaway favorite to win the National League? Yeah, not yeah. Yeah, it's probably it's pretty runaway. Yeah, they're I, I I'm trying to think a team in a seven game series. I'm trying to think a team that could hang with them from the, in the NL like. I, I know the Braves just beat them, so like maybe the Braves. The Braves got a lot worse. NL NL Central's terrible. Um, NL Central's yeah terrible. Philly, Philly's got to win eighty three games Padres, first. 
Padres, Padres, Padres and Giants are more interesting cases, uh, especially the Giants last year winning however many games, uh, winning 107 games, most in the bigs. Yeah, but they, I still think they they'll be had good. a good amount of roster turnover. They have had roster the turnover. I expect them to still be good. I don't think they're going to hit 100 wins again. Um, but uh, yeah, Logan Webb really impressed me last postseason. I, they got a that that's an ace. Yeah, he's their, he's their number one guy yeah, right now. That's not just a number one guy. That's an ace. Mm. Um, yeah. The, but, yeah, the, back to Toronto really quickly. Uh, acquire, they did lose Marcus Semien, who was one of their better hitters last year, but they immediately turned around and traded for Matt Chapman, um, the defensive superstar third baseman uh, from the A's. Who, um, not can, too bad with yeah, the bat. Yeah, not too not bad there. with the bat either. They have the... Um, Best hitter in the America. They no no no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They have uh, who they have Vlad Guerrero Jr. Who um, probably should be the American League MVP favorite just because of Trout's health. I obviously Trout's a better player, but because of Trout's health, I think Vlad should probably be the favorite. And then uh, out that outfield with Springer, Teoscar Hernandez, and Gurriel is about as good as it gets. And then. Starting pitching, there's not, there's they're not slouches there either. Acquired Yusei Kikuchi. They did lose Robbie Ray, but I would be stunned if Robbie Ray does not regress this year just because of his style of mm-hmm. pitching. He's not an overpower you guy, and his peripherals weren't super great. Acquired Yusei Kikuchi from the um, the uh, Mariners. Jose Barrios from the, they traded for at the deadline last year. He looked dominant at at times last season. And then you pair that with uh, Hinjin Ryu. Kevin Gosman, too. Kevin Gosman. And then their bullpen is um, the weakest of the three phases of their team, but it doesn't mean it's weak. They have uh, um, some really good relievers in there. Trent Fulton, Nate Pearson are the guys that really stick out to me. But uh, that's the best team in the American League. That's uh, I fully behind that. My, can I give my hot take for the MLB season? Sure. Please. It'll be uh, Dodgers, the super team, and get out of here. Um, it's very underwhelming. I'm going to say they don't make it to the World Series. <clears throat> and because I like Tatis, we're going to even say they don't even win their division. Wow. We're going to say <clears throat> Tatis <clears throat> rattles the squad in Los Angeles full of losers. Uh, and the Padres take home the <laughs> <laughs> division. And we'll say the Padres uh, represent the National League in the World Series. I respect that hot take. You do know Fernando Tatis is going to miss three months, right? Ah, oh, you forgot about that. Um, Motor- or the, yeah, too. Yeah, man, uh, motorcycle. Fernando, motorcycle when did your man. Fernando? When did your motorcycle accident happen? Which one? Oh my god! Multiple, apparently. Yeah. We don't like. That's not his injury, though. I think it. I think it is oh, broken. It broken wrist. Oh, I'm just gonna say the Dodgers underperform this yep. year. Do not. I mean, my hot take last year was that the Dodgers don't win the cent- they don't win the West, and I was correct. Unfortunately, I picked the Padres to win, and not the Giants, but partial credit. Uh, let's see. Yeah, yeah, the team, the Dodgers are definitely weaker than last year. I wouldn't call them a runaway. I think they, they I think they are. You're giving me some. Yeah, lies. I, John, I don't know about that one. Like, no, I think that they've lost a lot in pitching. I mean, they they have Andrew they Haney going out there, who's got a. Six Andrew Haney's horrible. I, I, there's no one better to Tony, speak to that. Tony Gonsolin, who you know, he's he's shown flashes, but I don't, yeah. I, don't I wouldn't trust him right now. Yeah. Uh, they're gonna get it's. I have no idea what Trevor Bauer's situation is. I think he's still under contract. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think the team's pretty much given up on him though. Yeah. Um. Imagine and uh, do they do they trade? And that Cody Bellinger is getting worse co- every single yeah. year. So uh, that I think they're I yeah. think they're still 
all that the said, best team in the NL. Yeah. All that said, uh, Austin Barnes, Will Smith is probably the best catching tandem in the league. Your infield is from left to right: Turner, uh, Justin Turner, Trey Turner, Ga- uh, Gavin Lux, and Freddie Freeman. Oh my God! And then you have Max Muncie in there too to rotate in. Uh, you have <laughs> Chris Taylor in the lineup every day now with the Universal DH. You have Bet. You have Mookie, who, despite being really overrated, is still excellent. And uh, yeah, just really, uh, this this team does not have a ton of weaknesses. I don't really like trading for Kimbrel. They did lose Kenley Jansen, and Kenley Jansen, I think, got a lot of unwarranted stuff for his performance. I think he was one of the better closers. But suddenly they had Blake Trinan too in the bullpen. Yeah, but which I didn't yeah. even realize they had. They, they had Blake Trinan. They've had him for a while, actually. Have they? Uh, um, I I do not trust Craig Kimbrel at the end of a playoff game at all. Um. The Red Sox won the World Series when he had an ERA, I think, of seven in that postseason. So that really speaks how good their offense was that year. But um, yeah, this team is ridiculous. This this team is ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to downplay it, but, but no, like, <laughs> I mean, their starting lineup, like, like, oh, if if Mookie Betts and uh, Trey Turner go zero for two to start the game, don't worry, here comes Freddie Freeman and Max Muncy and Justin Turner. <laughs> but they are five and nine, and are they in the Cactus League or the Grapefruit League? Cactus, I don't know. Cactus, they're Cactus, Cactus. yeah. <laughs> so I mean, preseason's always a really good teller of what's going to happen during uh, the regular season. Oh yeah, when you know, when the game's on the line, when uh, <laughs> that's what spring training's so fun to me because the game's on the line where the the, the rookie uh, the rookie ball pitcher is against the career. Uh, middle single A player with the game on the line, and people are like, "Oh yeah, it's really concerning that the Dodgers are five and nine in, in spring training." No, but yeah, they are the best team in the league on paper by a sizable margin. But with that said, um, you know, listen, they they didn't have the best record in baseball last year, and pe- they were the best team on paper last year. They didn't have the best record, and they didn't even make it to the World Series. So, as certainly anything can happen, um, for my Yankees. This year, I'm expecting a much better, much better, much better play. I don't know how much they can improve the record simply because their division is so good. I I submit. I've never seen a division this good. I the fourth sub- guy is projected to win 85 yeah, games. The, the four, I, like the Astros got a little worse. The four, uh, my the four best teams in the American League, in my opinion, are in the American League East. I think that. I mean, listen. The Red Sox right now. The Red Sox projected fourth in the race. In on fair uh, the Red Sox. By, Red Sox by okay. games. So. Okay. Um. The Red Sox are really good. Like they just were in the American League Championship Series. Poor Orioles, man. Uh, I like. I feel bad for the Orioles, but like, the Orioles are going to. There. You play eighty-two division games. The Orioles are going to be struggling to get sixteen wins in those eighty-two games. <laughs> like it's going to be bad. Um. And a big chunk. And in all seriousness, a big chunk in the last few years of who wins the AL East is how effectively do you beat up the Orioles? Like, do you, like, do you, when the Yankees won the American League East in 2019, I think they were 17 and 2 against them. And then last year, they were 10 and 7. And obviously, 10 and 7 is not bad, but when you're playing the Orioles you, uh, that many times, you've got to win at least 15 games. And that's going to be huge for the Yankees because they play the majority of their games for the season against the Orioles. Before the end of May, so you got to come out and take care of business against them because I like they're the worst team in the American League, and you just have to be able to to beat them. But as I was saying, I expect the Yankees to play better this year. I don't know how much the record will improve. Garrett Cole is going to win the American League Cy Young. That's my prediction for the team. Um, 
he was the favorite last year when he got injured, tried to play through it, and his numbers really suffered. Still had the better peripheral stats than Ray, um, but uh, the guys voting for these awards are 80 years old and have never heard of war, so it's uh, tough to try and get them to adjust. Uh, they don't know what FIP stands for. Uh, so, anyway, he's going to win the Cy Young Award. It's, he's the best pitcher in the American League. It's, it, it's, it's due. It's his time. Um, Judge and Stanton are as potent as any offensive duo in the AL. When you add in, um, I know I was upset about the Donaldson trade. I still am, but he's still he's still a good player, and I think he's going to help this offense give them a little more toughness that they've been lacking recently. And then Joey Gallo um, did not play well when he was acquired by the Yankees. But if you think he's a bad hitter because of his batting average, I please just take five minutes to think about what on base percentage is and what. OPS is. Yeah, and if they ban the shift, which they're thinking about doing, yeah. then he's going to he'll have an MVP season, probably. <laughs> so. Anyway, um, I don't know. It's the, the question for me is going to be, what does the bottom of the order do? Uh, you've had Glaber Torres look a lot better at the end of the season last year uh, after moving back to second base, but he was uh, horrible offensively. Then DJ LeMahieu, um, MVP caliber player. Uh, in his first two seasons in the Bronx and was just horrible, like, last year. Just, like, there's no way to sh- – can't sugarcoat it. He was a below-average hitter offensively in Major League Baseball and uh, need him to be better. Um, catching – I like Kyle Gashioka. He calls a good game. He defends well, but he's not a starting caliber catcher, um, I think, in Major League Baseball, so – I think the Yankees' rotation is very good. I think their bullpen is very good. It's going to be can they score enough runs, which is not a problem I'm used to having with the Yankees. So, uh, going to be tough to win the division. Obviously, you want to to avoid all the playing nonsense, but um, I'm excited for this year. I think they're going to win a lot of games. I think they're going to play well a lot of days, and uh, hopefully they have, a, they have a real good shot to try and bring home number 28. But uh, when you have a team, when your division is this good, it's going to be difficult. Yeah, I'm pulling for you, Nicholas. I know you're a big Yankees guy, so want them to do well. But, yeah, the ALE seems to be the best division in baseball, so it's going to be tough. Um, yeah, 162-game season starts tomorrow, so it's going to be a long way. But all these teams got to get off to a hot start because uh, the game now or the game tomorrow matters just as much as, lo- as the last one. Yes, last it does. Yep. Well, actually, there's no game tomorrow because of the rain. But uh, the game on Friday matters just as much. And, uh, you know, be nice to, you know, Red Sox ended our season. Yeah. Like, obviously, it doesn't even compare, but, you know, nice winning, nice little weekend sweep of them would be nice. Not going to complain about that. So, um, that's, we're about out of time here. Um, we will definitely continue. We that. will definitely continue this discussion um, next week in the NBA and the MLB. Are and we then be on begin- next week? Uh, uh, ooh. Easter. Easter. Oh, we probably won't. That's a great point. So, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. If we're going back or not on Wednesday. But. Uh, yeah, I'm probably not, I'm not gonna be here Wednesday. So, okay, so uh, gonna, yeah. two. Uh, so we'll be back in two weeks talking about MLB season, talking about the NBA playoffs, talking about the NFL draft, and uh, yeah. So for Danny, for John, I'm Nick. Game time sports, where it's always game time. See you in two weeks.